I sure do. Who the hell would give these three goons their own show? Welcome to Puck Puck Pass, a belly up sports podcast committed to keeping you informed on the latest news and trends in hockey. So pick up your teeth, grab a brew, and don't be a hoser. Here are your hosts, whose names sound like something I'd call my dog, Zach Mac, Yake, and KJ. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Puck Puck Pass podcast presented by Belly Up Sports. Uh, we missed you guys a ton last week. Sorry there was no Thanksgiving episode. Schedules get busy and real life got in the way. But we are back. As always, I'm KJ, joined by Yake and Zach Mack. What is up, guys? How we doing, boys? What's up, y'all? Hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Oh, it was great. I know Zach Mack did some traveling. Good to see some family, I'm sure. Yeah, always, always. Yake, I'm sure you were strapped down at the bar. Yeah, and the uh, day I got off, I got to visit the in-laws, so. Oh, gosh. Well, we we said a prayer for you. And by, when I say strapped down at the bar, I meant working, not literally strapped down. Yeah, the bar. yeah. <laughs> I don't want to make any accusations here. <laughs> well, we we missed a lot. Um, there is some craziness in the NHL. Um, I mean, there's some constants. The Blackhawks still suck, but there's been a lot of changes. In we're kind of all over the place with how many topics we've we want to cover this week. But let's just jump right into the biggest mess in hockey. Uh, the Flyers. What? Yeah, let's let's let Yake lead it off. What is going on? Uh, I'm currently debating on whether I just want to mute my mic for this segment or go on a full out rant. But I mean, it's just it's a huge cluster. Basically, it sounds like Holmgren told Hextall that it was either going to be Hextall or him, and Hextall kind of said, you know, I believe in my system. I'm going to go with what I think works, and it eventually came down to being Hextall's turn to be uh, fired. And that's what happened. And then uh, Holgram came in today, and I'm pretty sure he was just like straight up early Donald Trump. And he just looked at people and you're fired, you're fired, you're on waivers, like just get out of here. And uh, I think the last final kick to Hextall was, you know, it, it was him saying, we're not going to keep anything in your system. And he put Picard on waivers. And, and yeah, Picard hasn't been solid, but I mean, for the mess that's always in Philly net, Picard has been all right. And, and, for him to go on waivers, I think it's just saying, you know, this is completely the way that we're going now. Um, Holgram has said that he's not going to make any decisions on uh, Hackstall anytime soon, and he's going to let the new GM make that decision. Um, but from what I'm hearing today, it sounds like things have calmed down a bit. They don't plan on any more firings, at least until the new uh, GM's hired. And and they've got a pretty good list right now of uh, GMs. I know they, they made out a call to Stevie Y. So uh, who knows what route they're going to go with there? Also, Chris Pronger's name was thrown to the mix, but that was that was quickly uh, put out or extinguished. I should say they uh, they're in a lot of trouble. I actually said as soon as they fired Hextall or Hextall, uh, a couple guys I work with, you know, they were asking, we you know talk hockey at the office sometimes, and I, I said there's still time, and I am a big anti Philly guy. But I look at that roster, and there was still time for them to make a run, get back into it, kind of get some cohesion. And then that third period against Ottawa, just a, a, something went on in my head, and I said, there's no way this team can rally. And, and I think the big thing, and this is what – I think this is what Holgram's problem was with Hextall, is he, he was always preaching the future. You know, he, he started preaching the future when he became the GM and the future is now and, and they're still not ready. And they're saying the future, the future, the future. And I think Flyers fans are ready for now. I mean, if you look at the the stands during that third period of the Ottawa game the other night, it's empty. I mean, you you never have that in Philadelphia hockey. And, and it goes back to what I've been saying all year, how they're they're soft this year. And I just think I think this is a new brand of Flyers hockey that they did not like the way it was going and, and Hextall's the one that paid the price for it. And and to tell you the truth, I don't think Hextall's going to. I think that the new GM will, will keep him at least till the end of the year and let him run the thing and uh, and just kind of give him the pieces he needs now instead of keeping him in the, the AHL, which has been a problem the entire time. Yeah, that was, that was kind of going to be my next question to you, Yake, because I haven't turned on as many Flyers games as I would have liked to yet this year. But I think a lot of it has to do with um, just – when, when there's other games going on while the Flyers are playing, I'm turning those games on instead. And I think a lot of that has to do with, um, I kind of want to, you know, I want to watch people who are, or watch games that are that are exciting and teams that are about the now. And so, like you said, the, fu- the future is now. And uh, that's, what the, that's what the fans want. And I'm wondering where they go from here. Is it like a total rebuild? Or are they trying to revive themselves uh, as soon as possible? 
I mean, it, I think it, I think if you ask me, what they're going to look at is they're going to look to move Voracek. I think Voracek's going to be easy to move. The guy had what like seventy points or something last year, like that. He he had 70, 80 points last year, and he's on pace to do it again this year. And I think they're going to move Voracek, get a few young pieces in there. They're going to be able to make a difference now, not five years down the road. And I think that's where the future lies. Is is Simmons might be moved, Voracek might be moved. Uh, and then uh, I think Voracek has a no trade clause still currently, so he would have to waive that. But I think they're going to try to push for it, and this new GM is going to come in and instantly try to make some moves to help us be better next year. So both of you guys mentioned something that I wanted to touch on. Uh, first, Zach talked about uh, exciting teams being teams that want to win now. And I think when you look at the teams that are ready to win now and are and are fun to watch, also can win for the next decade. It, you know, your Toronto, your Winnipeg, even Nashville, you could throw in there. You've got these teams, you know, Tampa could be on the older end of that, but they've got young veterans. Uh, and, and Philly's not that. Philly's got old veterans and young players who are still lo- learning the ropes. I mean, Robert Haig has been one of their best players and their best defensemen, and he's not good. You know, Progrov's a shell of himself. Gossespierre needs to go. And, and you talk about trades, Yake. Uh, I, I thought JVR, bringing JVR in would be good for them. Obviously, with injuries, you know, you can't help that. I think Gossespierre should be number one on the list to get out of there. I think there's enough in return for him, similar to Voracek. Um, and, you know, you don't need a goalie because you've got Carter Hart waiting in the wind. But but. Gossespierre, if you're going to keep Provorov, because I think the future is there somewhere in him, he can lead that defense and be a top-pairing offensive defenseman. Gossespierre, I I think, should be the first out. And I saw a trade package the other day that they were talking about, and it was Ghost and Sanheim going to Toronto to bring Nylander there, or Nylander. And and I originally thought you know, that I didn't want that. I was all right with Ghost leaving, but Sanheim probably has been our best young defenseman uh, even, even better than Haig. And I mean, hell, Haig gets sat in the booth more than Sanheim does right now. Um, and and I'm just kind of looking at it, and, and I think Ghost, Haig, Ghost, Sanheim, I think it's worth bringing in a forward that can score now and that, that will help Philadelphia in the, in the next couple of years. And unfortunately, I mean, you brought up Carter Hart, and Carter Hart, he's still a few years away, and there's nothing we can do about that. That's that a goalie is a position you don't want to rush because they're nutcases, and you bring him in too early, and he's just going to absolutely tank. So I think I think they're going to be looking either bringing in a scorer that's going to be elite immediately, or you're going to be looking for a top four defenseman back for Ghost Sandheim, or you're going to be looking at a goalie that can help us for the next few years. And I know Jimmy Howard's out there right now, being shopped around. And different guys like that that you can bring in that can make a difference now that that we won't have a problem with when Carter Hart gets here because they don't have a huge contract. We're not worried about a six, seven-year deal with a goalie if you bring in an older one that's able to help now. Yeah. So I know you guys are very – sorry, Zach, just real quick. Uh, I know you guys are very anti-Chicago, but Cam Ward is one of those older guys that could be a stopgap for Philly. And I think a young defenseman and probably one other player from Chicago – uh, in return for a young defenseman, gets Philly Cam Ward and is enough to be serviceable. I mean, the guy the guy made 42 saves and losses earlier this season, and he's just one of those guys that can fill in. He's a veteran. He's definitely a nutcase, but he doesn't need to be coached. And the problem with Philly is they keep bringing in these guys that need to be coached, and it, it's just not working. And there's so much more than goaltending wrong with this team, but I feel like it begins and ends with goaltending when they don't have guys who can score goals and you said it best. You got to bring in an elite goal scorer that can make up for that difference. Yeah, I agree because I think, at least from what I've seen, it's they need somebody who's able to create chances so that uh, Drew can get the, the puck in the net a little bit more. It seems like he's mostly doing a lot of the uh, the playmaking. Um, and if they can really get somebody, um, like Yake mentioned, uh, getting Nylander over, um, regardless of, of who they move, I think that would be a, uh, a smart decision to get somebody out there who can kind of playmake along with. Um, Drew, and that will attract uh, the guys like Cam Ward or whoever it may be who's willing to put in a, a season or two there in Philly uh, on the goaltending side. See, even, even as a Flyers fan, I'm all right with Drew being a playmaker. Like, he does not need to shoot the puck. But this new GM has to talk to Hackstall and just be like, look, you got to give guys on his line that are going to put the puck in the back of the net. And right near right now, Konechny's not that guy. 
throw Van Riemdyk over on the other side, throw Simmons on the other side. They need to mix something up and try to get Giroux somebody that's going to score with them. Because right now, like you said, he's out there doing it himself and he can't keep doing it himself. I mean, he, he's not the, the young captain he used to be like, unfortunately do guys do get older in the NHL and it's starting to show with them and that's fine, but just give him somebody that's going to be able to, to create some offense around him. I mean, they are 29th in goals allowed at 3.5 and 18th in goals for 2.9. And not for nothing, their power play and penalty kill are both terrible too. So there's plenty of issues beyond letting the puck in, but they need, they just need consistency in the four forward lines, three defensive lines, goaltending, but now inconsistency is behind the bench and up top in the organization. So it really, it, it might even still be immature. It's not even the new year yet. This is a long season, but th- I mean, this team's toast. Hey, hey, I don't like toast, but I mean, things do not look good right now. And, and I think they made some changes to try to get something else in there and something going, but I'm not sure they're the right changes. I think if you, you look at some of the guys that got ready today, assistant GM, assistant coach, I mean, that's fine. You're getting ready people that, that helped advise the people that have made these decisions, but you're not getting rid of the people making the decisions. And, and I think, I think that it's going to take more than this year to turn this thing around. And and so I, I think toast necessarily isn't an unfair term. I just don't like to hear it this early in the season, especially about my hockey team. But I just think things do not look good right now. I would say it's a bigger mess than what Ottawa was with the whole Uber debacle. Yeah, I, I mean, God, it still boils my blood. But yeah, I mean, the the Flyers, they're talented they're sometimes flashy. They are not the bullies that we're used to. Um, and maybe that just takes time. Maybe, you know, it takes maybe two, three seasons to get into finesse mode than it does, you know, power hockey mode. And that's kind of a weird. Maybe that's a maybe that's a, a cop out for what's really wrong with them. But like I said before, there's just too many things wrong with them. And I'm speaking from experience because I, you know, as a Blackhawks fan went through the coaching change recently, and there's a lot of turmoil in that organization, but there's consistency at least within the team. And, and I just don't see it in Philly, but like you said, toast might be a little early. I believe it, but a lot remains to be seen with them. Uh, any last, I mean, any I mean, last it, words? But for not. me, the hardest thing to hear about the entire situation is Holgram saying that the week that Q got fired from Chicago, they literally threw his name around and Hextall said, no, I'm sticking with our system. I want hack to keep Hextall over Quinville is just absolutely idiotic. Phillysports.com or, or whatever it is out here. Uh, Cause I, I get all that, that info uh, when I get to work in the morning and they put out a press release that it was the opposite. And it's almost like they're falling on their sword for, for Hextall saying that, they they wanted to keep Hackstall and Hextall wanted him gone. And I, I, that's the first time I heard that report. And I think that's insane. I don't think for a second that that's truly what happened. See, I have not heard that. I have not heard that they're falling on their sword at all. Pretty much what Holgram's doing is just not saying anything. Like he literally is one of those guys right now that a press conference is just kind of saying words that don't mean anything. But everything that I'm hearing, and, and I follow a ton of p- people in Philadelphia sports that know what's going on, is that Quinville was, was they wanted to get him in there the week that he got fired. And Hextall's the one that said no. And he just said, I like where, where this is going. This is for the future, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, trust the process worked for the 76ers, but it's not going to work for the Flyers because trust the process, keep it keeps getting revamped every five years. And then it can't happen anymore. Yeah, I mean, there's it's going to be a long season, but it gives us more content. So who are we to complain? Uh, Anything else? uh, (laughs) Anything else on the Flyers before we move on to a good team? I got nothing else. I just that's interesting. I didn't see the report about um, wanting Q in there uh, the week that he got fired. That's uh, an interesting thing to think over. Um, It does seem kind of crazy that they would go with Hacksaw over over Q, uh, especially in their current situation. But uh, yeah, I, I would just keep an eye out for uh, what this team's able to to evolve into over the rest of the season. I was scrolling while wiping away tears that whole week, so I probably saw it and missed it. Um, all right, well, that's it for Philly, and that might literally be it for Philly. Uh, but let's move on to a team that might be the biggest surprise since Leicester City 
won their group or whatever it's called in soccer. The Buffalo Sabres are on a 10-game win streak. Most points in the league. First team to ever go from last place to first place after 25 games the next season. First team to ever do it. And I don't think they're slowing down. That young production there is just, it's insane to me how well they are playing together right now. Yeah, I actually, uh, I actually just put out an article. So by the time this is released, y'all, y'all can go read it um, about the Sabers. I think they're going to stall out a little bit. Um, obviously, the streak's not going to go on forever, so they're going to lose a couple games, and they got a tough, tough um, stretch coming up in the next four or five games. But uh, if they can maintain, um, you know, win here, lose, lose there, and maintain themselves in the top, you know, five to seven, which I think is more realistic if you're a Buffalo Sabers fan. Um, by season's end, it, it's. I think their young core has a chance to, maybe maybe not this year, make a deep run. But going forward, I think the experience will help them. I so the young scoring it definitely catches the eye because I was thinking about like yeah, I'm like Eichel's good, and they've got Risto and Dolan on the on the blue line, and even Reinhardt's doing his share. And they haven't gotten a lot out of middle stat yet, but I think that's coming. I was like, ah, oh, you know, Skinner's up there. You know, he's only got Skinner's twenty six years old. I I feel like that guy's been in the league for fifteen years. They have a young like, team, and like you said earlier, they're one of those teams that their young guys are veterans. Like their young guys have been playing since they were young. Yeah, I mean that. I mean, I guess that happens when you know Eichel comes in the league. You know, at eighteen, nineteen years old, and you know he he played college on like uh, Matthews, Line A, McDavid, but. He that experience seems to greatly benefit what he's brought to the table. And, you know, Skinner's up there for the Richard and, you know, kind of the early pick. I don't think it's really a question who's going to win it this year, but but Skinner's production matched with Eichel's leadership. And I I was a big if you go deep into my tweets, I'm a big anti Eichel guy, but Buffalo is so damn fun. Skinner's plus plus 15 right now. That guy's having an unbelievable year. Yeah, I mean, he he looks great. The young guys look great. They're, you know, I don't know what turned it around because what they're doing is fantastic. And it it that can't be all talent. Ten games is not all talent. So there's there's something, you know, whether it's in the locker room, team meetings, practice, whatever it is, they're getting that mindset of listen. This isn't a little, a fun little six game streak that, you know, oh, look at the Sabres, you know, they're, they're finally pulling it together. It's look at the Sabres. They're a powerhouse. This is a team we'll have to compete with for the East. I mean, Detroit starts to pull their stuff together and all of a sudden they have no shot of making a wild card if the Sabres keep it up. No offense, Zach, but I'm just saying like, this is all of a sudden a team that you have to look at seriously and be like, okay, well, you know, there's at least a wild card team. Yeah. I I just want to, I want to caution. I don't want to touch too much on what I wrote, but, um, I want to caution Sabres fans not to fall too. If you look at not not to fall too in love with the the win streak. If you look at ten games, nine of them were one goal wins, and seven of them were in OT. So, um, hey, a win's a yeah, win. I mean, a win's a win, and they did they did do the Winnipeg Minnesota back to back, and they won them both. And not not very many teams are able to do that um, on that back to back because that's a tough road back to back. But uh, I'm just you got to look. I mean, not very many teams win seven overtime games in a twenty day span. So, um, I mean, you need a little puck luck along the way. So I just, I, I want to caution people not to fall too in love with it. Well, I mean, look at their, look at their production on the blue or the blue line right now. They got Ristolainen and Dolan both sitting with 13 and 14 points. Two young defensemen and they're able to produce like that is what a lot of teams are missing right now. And if you can get your defensemen scoring like that and you can get those points out of those guys, everything else up front just comes easier because those guys are shooting, they're shooting on net, and that means you're getting rebounds and everything else. So, I mean, I think goals are just going to keep falling for both I, th- I think Rasmus Ristolainen is the, is the best-kept secret in the NHL. I, the guy's been – I've had him on, on my fantasy hockey team, I think just last year, maybe two years ago. He's he's a stud. I mean, he may – like, he's not the best offensive defenseman in the league, obviously, but he gets out there, he blocks a few shots, he's – He's a big dude who can lay the body, but chooses not to from time to time. But like you said, he's got, you know, 14 points, 11 of those assists. Same with Darlene, 11 assists. Um, but guys like Connor Sherry coming in and, you know, getting getting not a ton of points, but enough points. Jake McCabe getting some production. Um, and then the guys who you don't expect, you know, they're not going to get the points, but they're going to be a presence on the ice like a Zach Bogosian, 
um, even Marco Scandella and Nathan Bellio, Bolio, uh, those are just guys that you like to have on the ice when your scorers aren't out there. Yeah, I absolutely love the sh- the production Sheary's given right now because if you look back when they when they picked him up, everyone in Pittsburgh was like, "Yeah, good luck with him," and he's just kind of taking that middle finger right to Pittsburgh and saying, "Hey, this is what you guys could have had with me if I if I got the minutes that I had and you give me a line that could produce and everything." And I think I think Sheary's gonna have a career year for him. Yeah, the Sabers the Sabers team is so deep to me. They're they got a lot of young talent. Um, obviously, you touched on Skinner's. Just 26, you said, and then Eichel's 23 years old. But you've also got the veteran leadership in Jason Palmerville, who I f- feel like has been on the Sabers forever. Um, but he's 35 years old, and he's 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 up there. He's only got he's turned the puck over like I looked it up earlier. It's like six, five or six times this year. Like that's just the veteran presence you need when you're trying to make a run, um, especially like a 10 game win streak. Yeah, I mean, there's got I mean Jeff Skinner shooting 23.5 percent. I mean that's a little bit hard to maintain, but that's an unreal shooting percentage, especially to begin the season, not to mention Carter Hutton and Linus Olmark scream Vesna right now, 2.5 goals against for Carter Hutton, 920 save percentage in a 12, six and one record. And Linus Olmark is five Oh and one with a two, five, two and nine twenty six. I mean, these guys, these guys are playing out of their minds. And Zach, you talked about maybe it being a little bit, or maybe being a little bit weary of one goal games, they'll take one nothing every single game if they can get these guys to stay hot in that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's that's the difference in a one goal game is having goalies that are able to do that kind of stuff. You you have to have goalies that are able to stop the big shots when they count. And right now at the end of the game, if you look at it, Buffalo is playing like there is not a doubt in their mind that their goalie is going to stop anything that gets through that defense. I mean those those goalies standing on their head are definitely a big deal um, with the Buffalo's Buffalo's recent success. Uh, they do got a they got a tough road ahead of them. They've, they're heading on a three game road road trip, and uh, I think they've got of their next five games. Not all these are on the road, but they play Tampa, Nashville, and another Colorado, I believe. Um, so those are three tough games in their next five, and I think that's going to be a huge test seeing where they go forward. Yeah, there's but I mean, there's no doubt we're talking about exciting young teams that are playing for now in the future. In the Jets or the Jets, the Sabers might be more on the side of. Uh, playing for the future, but they could definitely play for now. And there's, there's enough there that if they, if they're committed to playing for now, they could, they could see themselves at least in the second round of the playoffs. You get the right matchup. And that's the thing. They're a matchup team. They, they match up really well with some teams and possibly piss poor with other ones. Um, There's just, there's, there's nothing about a 10-game win streak that, that screams that's accidental. Accidental. I'm not saying it goes up to 15, but if you can bank on a few wins, those losses for, that are normally heartbreaking for Buffalo get a little less easy or a little easier to bounce back from. Yeah, I mean, if you if you're able to, you know, win games at, at a rate that you're you're winning two, three in a row, it doesn't even need to be a 10-game win streak. You're running two, three in a row. You can give up one bad loss, and, and it won't completely deflate the energy that you have. So on this road, on this road trip, you know what you said they have three in a row on the road. If they can take two out of three on the road, or even one out of three and get a point in overtime, you're gonna be looking at a team that still has all that momentum and and is still hot, and, and they're gonna come home just rearing and ready to go in front of that home crowd in Buffalo. And everybody knows Buffalo fans are crazy, so. I mean, you get those guys behind you. You get the the Bills Mafia becoming Sabers fans, and 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 getting into hockey, Buffalo is going to be one of those teams that just take off, and I, and I don't know when they come down with all this young talent. Yeah, that's that's exactly what the ten game win streak can do for you too. It's it's I know I mentioned that seven of those were in overtime, but two points is a lot different than one when you start adding them up together like that. So, um, able being able to get those wins in overtime, um, are huge for them, and it's 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 those extra points that, like you guys said, it, it makes it a little easier to take those heartbreaking losses. When they come and the extra points uh, that they're getting night in, night out are so important. When you look at the top four teams in the NH in the whole NHL right now, Buffalo, Nashville, Tampa, Toronto, those teams combined have four OT losses. Toronto doesn't have any, but two for Buffalo, one and one for Nashville and Tampa. Those that means at the very least they're finishing games, not even not getting to overtime. I mean Buffalo's three and zero in the shootout, but 
you you get to overtime and yeah, you get a point and a lot of teams are grateful for that point. And Buffalo, you'd think, is that team that's like, okay, there's another point. You know, we're we're soon to match our total from last season because we've been so bad. But you start to look at it, they're getting two points instead of one every other game. That's a huge difference in the standings. It makes them very dangerous around the all-star break, especially for buying and selling. Uh, uh, by the way, speaking of buying and selling, not to change topics, we buff, uh, Belly Up NHL is officially on Nylander Watch. By the time this episode comes out, he will have two days to sign his contract. Um, but I think that's it for Buffalo. Uh, not for the winning, but we, you know, you can only you can only talk about a win streak for so long before you start to maybe jinx them. And I don't want to do that because as much as I'd like to see other teams uh, win the East, they are super fun. Uh, let's stay on the win streak talk, though. Uh, we're we're talking power rankings today because those will be coming out soon. And uh, probably the teams that, team that has made the biggest jump over the last two weeks, yours truly, the Washington Capitals. Defending Stanley Cup champions have finally gotten their ish together. Alex Ovechkin is in Richard form. Backstrom's back. Evgeny Kuznetsov is out, um, but still up there in points for the team. They're finally getting it together. Holtby seems to... Have found a little bit of a groove, brought that save percentage back over 900. Uh, is this is this the Washington Capitals of 2018-19? This seems like something that was almost inevitable. Um, I kept the Capitals at near the top or higher than they probably should have been in my power rankings for this very reason, and I think it's because they can turn it on at any time. And and this is where they find themselves right back at the top of the standings. The season of Ovi is officially here. I just want to see him just go off. Now that the rest of the team is performing, I think Ovechkin's just going to absolutely just go on a tear trying to prove that they're they're still a good team and, and last year wasn't a fluke. Does the fact that they won't admit Kuznetsov has a concussion worry you at all? I mean, it just, it, every time you look for injury updates on Kuznetsov, upper body, upper body, upper body. I get it. That's hockey. But there – is it deeper than it can? Like, is there something more than a concussion going on? Because this guy needs to get back on the ice. He's too good of a playmaker, especially for Ovi's sake, to be missing this amount of time. Yeah, they're winning, but they they still need that sort of production to keep it up. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's something to worry about for a certain degree. If anything, I think it's something to worry about for medical fans or medical professionals that are hockey fans because if they're going to keep saying upper body upper body that means they're trying to get him back and that means that they're not admitting that that he has any head problems any concussion problems anything like that which means they're trying to skate him they're trying to work him out they're trying to do this which can only prolong the effects of a concussion and you have to ask yourself when does it when is it better just to admit it and keep him off of all functional activity and just let him rest and and, and get back to his form and you I mean, obviously, I'm not in Washington. I don't know what they're doing with them, but I would assume they're probably trying to rush him along. And, and a concussion is not something you want to mess with, especially for a guy that that is supposed to, you know, be your number two. Because what ends up happening is you lose him for a season next year if he takes one hit to the head, or you lose him for the rest of this year, or, or different things happen like that. And you don't want to see him be a shell of what he is because he's he's too exciting of a player to let to risk that and let it just continue on. I saw that he was back skating a couple of days ago. Have they released any sort of timeline on when they expect him to be back full time? Uh, every time I look at it, and maybe it's because I'm going through the fantasy app, but it just says out, and there really is no. I, I've seen that he's been back with the team, and I've seen that he's you know he's been in the non-contact jersey a little bit, but he hasn't been there for a full practice, from what I have read. Just leave him sitting in the locker room with the lights off. That's the best thing you can do for him right now. Yeah, I mean, there's just there's so much right with this team that you'd hate to see, especially a younger guy like Kuznetsov, uh, suffer from a you know a Crosby like length of time as far as uh, a concussion. But they're they're right. Their their time is right now. They need to. Uh, Yake, you mentioned before we started recording that they're leading the Metro which is awesome. I did mention that Columbus was also leading the Metro. So take that with a grain of salt, but they're good. We knew they were good. We knew that they were not a bottom dweller. Like they looked early in the season and I don't know what changed in Holtby's routine, but he seems back to normal uh, by no means a Vesna candidate, but he does look 
much, much better than he did early in the season. And getting Tom Wilson back, holy hell, has that helped. Won't be looking any more excited back there? Uh, no, he still looks unconscious every time he steps in the crease, which is still alarming, but he seems to perform. So uh, I'll leave that to the medical professionals Yake mentioned before. Uh, but while we're on the Cats, let's talk. I mean, we talked Tom Wilson returning in our last episode, but he's done a lot more than return. He looks like the most complete player in the NHL. He's not, but he looks like it for this team right now. I mean, it just shows you the importance of having a guy like that. And these these teams that don't have anybody that's afraid to stick their nose in there, I think are looking at it now and saying, wow, Tom Wilson is important. And I, and I think the other thing the Caps need, need to be worried about is, I mean, right now he's skating around, he's flying around, he's having a good time, he's playing good hockey. You know, one more hit and you lose him for 40 games. And they can't afford to do that. So I think it's something that, Either I'd be getting him anger management classes or I'd be sitting him down after every game, be like, all right, good job. You didn't kill anybody. Please don't do it again next week because it just shows how important he is. And he kind of jump started this streak that the Caps are on to get back to where they should be. Yeah. I mean, I just think it, like you said, it's important to have a guy like that. And I think it's one of the reasons not to pile on to Zach again, but you look at the Red Wings in the late 2000s after they won the cup in their. Tom Wilson was just an applicator and he was a fake Tom Wilson. So it kind of shows what it means to have a guy who really, like you said, get his nose in there, can get to the dirty areas, but be a playmaker at the same time, which is so weird to say about Tom Wilson. But when he's legit and when he's on his game and not looking to kill somebody, he is very productive and a great compliment to that. Oh, because that's offline when Kuznetsov gets back. I mean, he's a hell of a hockey player, and and I think he's showing people, hey, I'm not just the guy that gets suspended. Like I can I can play good hockey, and I think that's his big thing is he just wants to show people that he's something other than what his image is right now. Yeah, they just they seem to be clicking on all cylinders with him back. I mean, they're on a six game win streak, and they got three games between now and our next episode: um, the Devils, Ducks, Knights. So I mean, we could be talking about a nine game win streak a week from now. At least two of those games are wins. I mean, they, and it's funny. In two weeks' time, we've gone from they're struggling, and I would say they maybe win one of those games to you can almost guarantee they walk out with three wins. You know, depending on how much Copley plays, but they they're really putting it together, and they're the them and I think Winnipeg are the two toughest teams to play when they're clicking because the scoring just never stops. Yeah. Um, so while, while we're on Washington and we're talking about teams that are surging, I think in Zach brought it up earlier. I think it's important that we, we don't get lost in, in who's at the top because we, you know, we've seen in recent years, sometimes it's that team that just squeaks in that, that surprises us. And, you know, you can go back to 2012, look at two eight seeds meeting the Stanley cup finals. You know, you've got teams that can pull that upset in the playoffs so I, I think it's important we look at teams like Calgary, the Rangers who have kind of surged a little bit, Carolina, Montreal, teams that are right in the center there that may make may make the playoffs, may not, but is definitely going to be a fight. I think anywhere from 9 to 22 when you look at the standings, there are teams all in there that could be a wild card team. Yeah, I think if you especially look out west, I mean, you've got I know I know it's early in season and doesn't end yet, but the Dallas Stars are currently sitting in a the final wild card spot in the West. Who the Dallas Stars look beatable on every given night to me. So it's and you've got Chicago who's sitting down there, just two games behind them. So it's 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 just crazy who could pull out a wild card spot, especially at this point in the season. Do you want to load the gun or do you just want to hand it to me? Because you keep bringing up there's not just kidding. No, I like um, it. Give the false hope and then and then let's crush you at the end yeah. of the year. Yeah, at least there's false hope instead of no hope. I'm just kidding. Uh, um, the, the funny thing is, and I'll, I'll say this till the day I die, there is no team as talented and as disappointing as the Dallas Stars. I mean, they're they are riddled with blue line injuries right now. But I mean, last year they weren't. They are so unbelievably talented and so disappointing. I I can't even put my finger on what's wrong with them. I know they're so fun to watch if they're clicking. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, Sagan, Ben, you got Haskinen and Klingberg back there. They should they should be top, a top ten team. But goaltending, Ben Bishop is not good. 
they're the team to me that every off season they make a move and I'm like, Oh wow, that's going to be the move that finally, that finally puts them where they should be. And then it just never pans out. Like I, I don't want them to get good because right now it just kind of draws attention away from the flyers and, and the mess that they're having because the Dallas stars are the team that like is the most disappointing team in hockey because they're the team that should be winning. That just isn't. And I love it. That's yeah, pretty mean, but no, I mean, <laughs> I, like Sagan's one of my favorite players. I make no, I you know I don't try to hide it. I love the way he plays. Jamie Ben, uber talented, and you're right. They make a move. You know they go get Polak, who yeah he's not great, but he's another defenseman that they need. And but then you you lose Klingberg for an extended period of time. You you can't seem to get anything click on either of your top two lines. And it's it it always seems to be something wrong. Yes, they have a college coach who was trying to get his system implemented for this team. But you can only wait so long before you start to look at options for, for, for your top guys. I mean, I just they're, – but they're only one of the teams. They're only one of these teams that are fighting. Vegas is right back in the thick of things. Vegas can very well win the Pacific. Yeah, I, th- I think that if we're talking about streaks, we have to talk about Vegas just going from one of the top – or the bottom teams to right now sitting in a playoff spot. And I know Zach's been a very big uh, uh, activist against the uh, against the Knights there. So I, I, I kind of want to hear your opinion, Zach, on it. But I, I think that they have proved that they're kind of a real deal to be messed with again this year. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to change my tune so quickly on that one. Um, they do got that four-game win streak going on. I don't think they're the kind of team that can stretch it to 6, 7, or even the 10 that uh, the Sabres are on right now. But, uh, I mean, they're in that playoff spot. They're not even uh, – they're out of the wild card and into that uh, – sort of division leading um, conversation. I don't know how long they stay up there. I still think they're a fluky team. I don't think they got enough talent to go the distance, but uh, definitely worth noting they're playing well right now. And it's, it's something to watch out for in the West. I, I, I mean, I mentioned Stastny uh, when we were talking earlier and I, when he, when he gets into the thick of things with this team and he starts to mesh with what is youth, what is the throwaway players from other teams, they really start to pick it up. They're only two points back of Calgary leading the division. Uh, and the Pacific is – are we all in agreement that it's the worst division in hockey? I, how quickly did we change our minds on Vancouver? Oh, I never thought Vancouver was good. I never thought they were good. It, what They have good young talent. They were never good as a team. And yeah, I'm probably going to have people to go back in the further podcast and hear me say something about them being a legit team. But I'm saying it right now. I never thought Vancouver was going to be legit. They never played a convincing style. I mean, I know they played well right now, but it was never convincing enough to be like, okay, this is a team to watch out for. This is a team that can make up matchup problems. Um, I don't I don't see the Canucks being a super threat. But it was, it was that division, though. Like, you look at the Pacific, and anywhere from Calgary to – I mean, if you if you look at LA being as terrible as they are, from one to seven in that division, anyone could win it. Calgary is twenty nine points. Arizona seventh place in that division, twenty two. I think that Vancouver is the team this year that that can prove everyone wrong. But I think they're just a fun team. They're a fun team to watch. They're they're kind of a stopping place for guys that are on their way out of the league. So I, I they're giving guys some last minute chances that are still fun to watch. But I just I don't. I don't know. The Pacific's bad enough that I think they could sneak their way into a playoff spot, but I just I don't think they're going to be able to put a full season together with some of these young guys, and and they really don't have the leadership anymore now that the Sedins are gone. Yeah. By the way, Dallas is a uh, divisional playoff spot holder in the in the Pacific. If if the tide turns, uh, I mean that's how bad it is. The fifth best team in the Central is basically the best team in the Pacific. I I think it's. I think there's something to be said for a a certain persistence, maybe is the word, with Vegas. And you don't want this team to get – and I don't even want to say the word because I know it's going to give Yake a chub, but they're gritty. And oh, dear Lord. They, re- <laughs> they really – like you don't want this team to think that they can hang around and be mentally tough because then they're – a powerhouse year in year out. Sorry guys, I I uh, have to go change my pants real quick. Um, I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, I I knew the word would just get, but I I mean we just you know we were talking about the middle of the road teams, and I think Zach said it best. The West is kind of the most up in the air as far as 
those last few spots. Uh, and, and Calgary, for what it's worth, Calgary and San Jose are still top 10 teams. They're tied in points. Uh, Calgary's got a pretty decent goal differential too. And San Jose seems to like find a groove and then it's like, oh, they lost to the, they lost to the Blackhawks or they lost to the Kings or, you know, like they just, they lose games that you think a team that's finding a rhythm doesn't lose. So it might be my, my few week hiatus from really paying attention to hockey, but does anyone else feel like Calgary is the team this year that's just kind of flying under the radar, but it's just sneakily good. I feel like they've been there from the start, but no one's really talking about them. I see. I remember when we talked about teams you forget about. Yeah. And I said, mine's Columbus. It's still Columbus to me. They, uh, they were leading the Metro and I forgot that they were even a, a hockey team. They're so under the radar and Calgary too. But for me, for me, that would be Columbus. I mean, they're still, they've got 30 points, which is insane, but you're right. Calgary is totally under the radar. New coach, by the way. I mean, Zach, who jumps out to you as maybe not the team to watch, but the team to that catches your eye when you're like, ah, they could battle, but but who knows what's going to happen with them? Yeah, uh, for me, it's it's the Hurricanes. Um, yes, I, I don't uh, eat it I, to me. <laughs> I'm not always up and up on the Hurricanes, and I, they kind of fly under my radar for for uh, quite some time. But uh, I mean, they're in a wild card spot right now. I know the East is a little shaky because you've got. Uh, Pittsburgh, who's not even in the playoff picture yet, and I'm I'm pretty sure we can all agree that they probably will be, um at at some at some point, um, but <laughs> but uh, Carolina's holding on to that last spot, and I really think it could go either way for them. Um, they've got they've got talent to compete, and it's I watched actually a, a number of their games, and they're they're fun to watch, and and they're just kind of flying under the radar. But I think if they can put their pieces together, it's a shame that they couldn't see in Skinner what uh, what he is now, um, and they didn't want to. They want to hold on to that piece, but uh, I think the Hurricanes have a shot to put some, some stuff together out in the East. I was going to say Carolina's the one team that I probably forget about, and they're in the division of my favorite hockey team. So that's the team that I kind of sit back and I'm like, oh, shit, Carolina's still a team. And and I don't know how long they will be, but I, I think that that's the team right there that I think is the one that flies under the radar for me. Yeah, I mean, they're, you know, they've got guys like Aho and, and, and Stahl in their defensive core with Pesci and, uh, his name to Slavin right now. Like it's, they're a good team and they, they are flying under the radar because they, they lose close games, but also beat good teams. So it, they're kind of tough to judge. I think one thing we got to remember, even when you look at the bottom of the, the standings is, is Florida is nine, nine and four. That's not good. Definitely not great, but it's not bad. And they've only played like, they've only played 22 games in some cases. That's four, five, four, three, four, or five games less than some of your division and conference leaders. So I'm not saying those three or three to five games are all wins for them. But when they when the schedule starts to like because they they went to Finland and everything got all jacked up, if they find a little bit of a rhythm and the schedule starts to even out, they're right up there with with the Montreal's Dallas and, and Carolina as far as points, even if they get five points from those five games. That's the biggest surprise to me this year is the the teams that everyone's like, how are these teams still an organization? They don't have any fans, Carolina, New Jersey, uh, Florida. They're all having good years. Like it's almost like they're fighting to make a case for themselves. Like, Hey, we don't want to move. We're playing well where we're at. And, and they don't really care whether or not their stands are full or not. Yeah. I think you meant Columbus, not New Jersey because New Jersey's terrible, but um, well, it, uh, yeah, but did you see New Jersey stands the other dude, night? I went to I I let you guys know I went to that that game in Jersey a few weeks ago. That place was packed. They love that team in that arena is arguably the nicest in the NHL right now. Well, yeah, but their stands the other night. I forget who they were playing, but it literally looked like a minor league practice. Like there's more fans at a beer league game that sit that sit closer to the ice and, and then what they they fill the top sections because I just don't think anyone wants to pay the money in New Jersey to go sit down low. But it looks like the stands are empty half the time. Yeah, I mean, but look at a brand new arena in Detroit can hardly fill it and only because I used to live there in that area. I like I was so excited for that arena to be built. Everyone, it was the talk of the town. It's the arena district. This is what we want. They were giving tickets away for fourteen friggin dollars the other day and it was still empty yeah the the worst idea was not making the seats red there because now you can tell 
hundred percent when it's not like if there were the seats were ready, you'd be like, oh, okay, maybe there's some maybe there's some fans here. But that was in discussion too to change the seats. I think it's actually happening. Like they're changing. Really? Yeah, like I'll have to find the article. I'll post it on Belly Up NHL. Like they they might actually be changing the seats to red to counteract that sort of thing. And you just don't see that in your Boston's, your Washington's. Obviously, the right. Canadian markets fill high school games, let alone NHL games. But, you know, like the Rangers are there because MSG is a status symbol more than anything else. But Vegas has been rocking night in, night out. And I know people don't like the pregame stuff. I love it. Be different. It's the NHL. It's boring. But, I mean, you get the teams that some people say don't deserve a team filling arenas that that original six teams aren't filling once a week. You touched on the Rangers there. I know we're not trying to make this thing too long, but what what do you think they can maintain a division spot going forward? Or uh yeah, actually, surprisingly, I think Zabinajad might be the best move they've made in years. I, I think that it's all gonna hinge on the fucking good looking Henrik uh, uh, not Henrik Lundberg. Uh, shit, you were yeah, right. One Henrik quiz. I, I could not. I couldn't think of that last <laughs> part there. Guys. Yeah, I was just thinking about how good looking. <laughs> I just call yeah, him King. He's just a, yeah. Yeah, a good-looking guy, son of a gun. But I think it's all going to depend on whether or not he plays the way that he's been playing. Yeah, I almost thought that he would start playing for uh, a team to try to trade for him because I mean I know he's got his NTC, but he would waive that for a cup. And he, you know, now that Ovi's got his, he's the next guy. And it's not this year. I mean, probably not this year. But uh, they they were one of my bottom five teams in the early power rankings, and they're moving right up. They're top 15. They're right behind Winnipeg in points. They're tied with Winnipeg in points, and they're not far off uh, division-wise. And like we said, I mean, Washington jumped right up. Rangers are in third place, but only three points behind. So you look at – you've got Washington, Columbus, then the Rangers, then Carolina. The Islanders and Pittsburgh are, are still going to fight. I think the bottom two teams we, we touched on are, not, are you know struggling right now with New Jersey and Philly, but that division is a six-team race. So, I mean, the Rangers have to keep it up, but it, there's no doubt that they can do it. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, they seem like they're such a fast team, and I think they rely on their speed quite a bit. So I think staying healthy is going to be a big thing for them. Yeah, you're right. And, and that's, a, that's a big thing to touch on for a lot of teams we talk about, actually, is not just staying healthy. It's staying healthy in areas that you rely on. Like, you know, when, when you're a fast team, the slightest soft tissue damage you're you're out because your biggest weapon is your skating. And when you lose that, you know, like a God forbid, like a guy like McDavid um, or even bigger guys like Shifley and, and Wheeler and Winnipeg, they need to be able to skate as hard and fast as they can. Not that hockey players don't need to be able to do that, but, but Ovi, yeah, he's lightning quick, surprisingly quick when you watch him, but all he needs to be able to do is get to the lower slot and, and he can rip. You know, it's it's not like guys like that who are more focused on not getting that upper body injury. So you're you're right. The the Rangers they have to be they have to stay healthy, but they have to focus on staying healthy in the right areas, and in, in the crease, obviously. Uh, so that is our middle of the pack talk. Anybody have any last comments about uh, who might make a run that's currently uh, maybe out of the playoffs or right on the fringe? I don't think so. I think we touched on. Uh... We touched on all the people to keep an eye out for. Well, real quick, before we get out of here, we appreciate you guys listening as always. Uh, we touched on Nylander's contract status and how that's going to play out this weekend. Uh, that's going to be the most interesting thing. Uh, but I was, I was thinking about maybe we, we start ending things with, with what we want. We're going to give you guys homework. And I know school sucks and it's not something fun to do on the weekend, But week in, week out, there's going to be stuff to look for before our next episode that we'll be able to touch on. And we talked about a lot of it. We talked a lot about some of the topics this week. Um, But I think we watch – we keep an eye on the Golden Knights because they are finding that rhythm. Uh, You got to keep an eye on whether or not Hitchcock's culture shock is going to be enough to change the Oilers. Shockingly enough, Artemi Panarin is in the news again. Will he or won't he be a Blue Jacket by the end of the season? Uh, There's a lot of trade talk, and 
I don't think that team lets him walk away. So we've got some homework to do before the next episode. Any last comments for our Puck Puck Pass listeners, you guys? The, the last thing I want to say is is another streak that I saw that, that I think is absolutely amazing. Did you guys see the McKinnon streak and about his 17 goals? No. No. Ratnan has assisted on each of his 17 goals so far this year. Wow. Every, That's every single one stupid. of them. Stupid. Yeah. Is Rancy going to have 100 assists? I, I at this rate, I think he is. He, what he's sitting at forty points, and I think thirty of them are assists or something like that. I don't have it in front of me. I will vamp for a second. I think he's got twenty nine, but I got it right here. He's got ten goals, thirty assists. Jesus. Yeah, so he he's sitting with he's sitting with thirty assists. I think he's gonna be looking at hundred assists this year. That line is just point generators, man. It's just crazy. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned that we were maybe disrespecting Boston stop line, but they, I really think. That top line in Colorado, while depth scoring is still an issue, they're unreal. I mean, they're plus 22, and it might be solely because of that line. I think it's just kind of cute that Boston keeps trying to hang with that top line. I don't think they'll be able to. I don't think anybody – I did see – so when I was watching Winnipeg the other day, they did have Liney, Shifley, and and, uh, Wheeler out there all at once. That would probably be the best top line in hockey, but they don't do that because they've got so much wealth to spread around. Colorado thinks they have the depth scoring that Winnipeg does, but I, I mean, if they're going to score at the rate they do from the top three, why bother? Uh, I mean, they're, they're where they're at because of that top line. So I think that is it from us, you guys. We appreciate you being patient with us. The holidays are crazy as always. Some of us had to see the in-laws. I appreciate the prayers. Uh, but guys, yet again, another great episode. I appreciate you taking your time out to listen to us. Every Friday, puck, puck, pass. For Zach Mack, for Yake, I'm KJ. Thank you so much for listening. This episode of Puck, Puck, Pass has been brought to you by Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Follow your hosts on Twitter, Belly Up Zach Mack, Belly Up underscore KJ, and Belly Up Yake. Be bold. Stand out. We'll be right back.